another exciting opportunity to lift the lid on JJ's Music Box. This week, Jang travels back to India to meet the amazing Kishore Kumar, who you've just heard there, and he's regarded as one of the most dynamic male vocalists in the Indian film industry, who had a natural ability to sing in a variety of different voices, yodeling being one of them, which you just heard. And to learn more about this legend of a man, let me well back, welcome back Jang. And he's on the telephone line today. I'm afraid we had a bit of a technical problem. Good afternoon to you, Jang. Afternoon, afternoon, Sadia. So nice to see you again. It's lovely to have you on the program. That was a beautiful track from Gishore. Right. Well, that was from uh, 1967, and you heard that bit of yodeling in the beginning. And uh, that is where he sang for his friend, Dev Anand, who was another big figure in uh, Indian cinema. Um, this was Dev Anand on screen. And uh, until then... Kishore Kumar would only either sing for himself or for Devanand and nobody else. Mm. He, I mean, he he really did have such control over his voice. That was quite amazing yodeling there, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, and mind you, he was untrained. Oh, again. It's amazing. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing how many of the artists that we have talked about that actually, and that just means it was raw talent, doesn't it? Well, it's raw talent, but it was definitely honed talent. So let me just tell you, again, as a uh, vocal coach, um, a lot of my students, especially the Indian ones, uh, tell me, ah, but Kishore Kumar was untrained. So I said that, well, he was an untrained outlier. (laughs) And it didn't mean that he did not practice, because every morning from 6 to 7, he would listen to records of his mentor, K.L. Seigel, and sing with them, reproduce every single vocal nuance, and this is how he practiced. That's amazing. He has very sharp ears and a very good imitator. It always helps to have somebody who can mimic when you want to be a student of music. And he was well known for, you know, just how he adapted his voice. So obviously he mimicked pretty well, didn't he? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, He was, uh, uh, he gave, uh, as I said, initially, he gave voice to himself. And he could also, there was, I remember there was a movie called Half Ticket, which uh, he acted in. And uh, a duet was supposed to be recorded with him and Lata Mangeshkar. And for some reason, Lata Mangeshkar is the legendary Indian playback singer. And for some reason, Lata Mangeshkar wasn't around. And the duet had to be recorded because you understand the schedules of these films. The song is recorded and it goes uh, for picturization. And when you've booked actors and actresses uh, to do the shooting, you must keep up with those uh, schedules. So he told the music director that, listen, it's okay if she hasn't come, I'll record her voice. (laughs) That's a classic. (laughs) it It helped that... In that scene, the uh, he was uh, acting as a woman, mm-hmm. dressed as a woman. So he sang the female vocals in his voice, and he sang the male vocals in his voice as well. That's great. <laughs> so, and that's just some of the madcap things that he did, which we will uh, come to later. And and he wasn't only singing, though, was he? I mean, he had an acting career as well, didn't he? That is correct. Uh, most famously as a comedian. Um, and um, he acted in a lot of movies, some of which were produced by himself. So he was a producer as well, and he was an actor, he was a singer, and he was also a composer. Wow. 
Um, yeah, is he the same? I mean, I have seen um, some of his where he's been acting. Did he come in that sort of slightly kind of Charlie Chaplin type role, you know, in the, in the kind of comical side of things? I think Raj Kapoor was more of uh, a uh, Chaplin fan than Kishore Kumar. Kishore Kumar might have done a Chaplin impression once on, once in a while. Okay. But Kishore's uh, mentor was Danny Kaye. Oh, yes. In in fact, Lata Mangeshkar used to call him the Danny Kaye of Indian cinema. Indian, uh, uh, cinema uh, because he did everything. Yeah. And Danny Kaye was a great comedian, wasn't he? I mean, like, he came oh, in loads absolutely. of films. That's right. Wow. So, so his acting career wasn't really, it wasn't, that wasn't his kind of bread and butter. It was really very much the singing side of things, wasn't it? That's correct. That is very, that is very true. I mean, he enjoyed singing more than acting. And he later took to singing full time when uh, he had a, a revival in his career in 1969. So it all goes back to um, uh, his childhood he was born on August the 4th, 1928, in a village called Khandwa, which is in central India. Um, and his father was a lawyer, he was born to a Bengali family. And it just so happened that his brother Ashok Kumar got into acting, and um, Kishore Kumar followed him uh, uh, to Bombay and started singing for the same production company that Ashok Kumar worked in. And he got spotted by the music director, Kimchan Prakash, and in 1948, he had his first break as a solo playback singer. And then he never really looked back, but as I said, he only sang for himself and Dev Anand in those days. Mm -hmm. mm. So he's just devoted and to one actor on screen, basically. That's correct. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, uh, uh, as I said, he was a great imitator. Um, and... Um, one thing about him, which even classical musicians in India have recognized, is this perfect pitch. You could never go wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was because of a very uh, sensitive ear and also a lot of exposure. I mean, he may not have studied classical music uh, uh, formally, but he definitely heard a lot of Indian classical music and, mind you, Western classical music, too. He had a huge record collection. Okay. Uh, his son uh, has said in interviews that he would listen to Beethoven and Mozart as much as he listened to the music of, say, Ustad Bade Ghulam Ali Khan Sahib, uh, who was a very famous Indian classical, Hindustani classical vocalist. Mm, wow. So quite a quite a mixed bag of there in terms of his skills and his, you know, just his interests in music. Sure. And of course, because he was a good imitator, he loved, uh, he picked up the yodeling style of uh, Jimmy Rogers and Tex Morton, uh, whose records he heard quite often. And he incorporated that in the music. I mean, if we, uh, you know, when you heard the first track right at the beginning, you yes, know, I heard. Yes, the yodeling bit. And I do um, recall actually quite a few. Um, the, the yodeling at one point, I think, in the Indian film industry, became quite a popular thing, didn't it? it was I mean? Oh yes. Was he the only artist doing it, or was there were there others? Uh, no, pretty much he was the only artist who whoever uh, uh, did it. I mean, the only other artist I've heard yodeling uh, in those days was Asha Bosle. <laughs> okay, so on the female side. Once in, a, once in a blue moon, yes. 
Great. So, so now about his his whole career now, did it, you know, he started off, he was discovered and obviously the acting was there. I mean, what what was he like? Like, you know, did it just go way up there or were there things that, that came in the way as well, there are hurdles? Well, uh, there were a few things that uh, did come in the way. I mean, his career graph did not always proceed as smoothly as um, a lot of others, a, a, a few other contemporaries of his. Um, he had quite a turbulent and some might say a colorful personal life. He was married four times. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> and his second marriage was um, to uh, Madhubala, who was considered the Venus of Indian she cinema. She was absolutely beautiful, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and um, that did not go well because Madhubala had uh, uh, suffered from uh, a heart condition and uh, which uh, did not allow, uh, uh, I mean, a lot of intimacy between them. And uh, that really messed him up. And uh, the fact that she was suffering as well, I mean, it was, it was, not, it was not easy for him to uh, get through that. And this was his second marriage. Right. And that uh, uh, did him in for quite a while. But then he had a revival in the late 60s. And he came back uh, with a movie called Padosan, in which he sang for himself. It was a madcap comic role. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, he his, his uh, big comeback hit was a movie called Aradhana, which also marked the birth of the first Indian superstar, Rajesh Khanna. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. So it was quite a fortuitous combination, that. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, and he, and his music, I mean, in terms of the number of playback tracks he did, was that as vast as, say, Lata and, and Asha Bosley? No, not really. He was not a very prolific um, a singing artist in the 50s and the 60s. Um, um, he ruled the 70s and the 80s. There was no looking back. Mm-hmm. I mean, he sang quite a lot, then did a lot of live shows as well. Um, but uh, in in terms of the genres that he sang, he was quite prolific. Um, so he did things like um, your regular film songs, um, but he also sang uh, rock and roll numbers. Um, uh, he sang ghazals. Um, um, he sang devotional songs, and he was particularly good at uh, Bengali songs. He did a lot of Bengali uh, uh, r- uh, recorded work, which was outside of the Hindi film industry. And see, he was blessed with uh, having been born into a Bengali family. And uh, he revered uh, Nobel laureate Rabindranath Tagore. Mm-hmm. And so he was blessed with the sensibilities of a Bengali, which often showed up in his singing style. So there was this manliness, but it was also punctuated with so much grace and elegance and a tone which was just uh, amazing. Mm. And and he was also, he was he singing in other languages apart from Bengali and Hindi and Urdu? Yes, yes, he sang in a lot of other languages. That's quite uh, Marathi, a talent. Uh, Gujarati. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Because, you know, the artists that you have talked about, certainly from India, they've all seemed to have, well, actually quite a few of them, just uh, even if you look at Nan Muskuri, they, they were singing in other languages, weren't they? Then that's amazing oh. that they were able to do that. And that's not a surprise to me at all, because anyone who has a well-trained ear, after all, language is sound. Mm. Yes, and uh, as I said, a good singer is also a good mimic. 
Mm-hmm. So um, for them to pick up a new language is not really that difficult. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes they don't even need to be able to speak it. It's just the pronunciation that they've got to get right. Right. Well, he obviously did a good job of it. My goodness. So now, <laughs> so now, like, you know, in terms of his popularity, um, how was he? Obviously, he's still incredibly popular. You know, people are still listening to his music, obviously, just like the rest. Well, he had a bit of a split persona. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this public persona, which was eccentric, crazy, mad. I mean, uh, he was known to do all kinds of you know, crazy and hilarious things, even in real life. I'll give you an example. Um, so, the, this, this, you know, he was absolutely uncontrollable on set. All right. You know, and okay. it was, uh, I mean, he was so full of energy and he was like a spinning top, you know. So sometimes he would not listen to the director. So there was one famous director who uh, took him to court and got a court order, <laughs> you know, instructing him to always carry out the instructions of the director. So Kishore Kumar said, all right, I will follow them to a T. So he was then asked to step into a car. There was a scene where he was supposed to step into a car and drive. So he was asked to step into the car. He stepped into the car and he says, okay, drive. So he just took the car and he drove and he drove and he drove and he did not stop because the director forgot to say cut. So he ended up somewhere else, right? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. That's a good um, one. <laughs> there was, there was, uh, he was very finicky about making sure that he got paid um, and uh, because the Hindi film industry, unfortunately, is notorious for... Um, for not paying uh, people. <laughs> either not paying people or delaying payments or reneging on promises, uh-huh. you know. So there was one director who only had paid him half uh, that he was supposed to have been paid in, in, in terms of the advance. So he turned up on set with half his face made up. <laughs> and the director said, what is this? You know, why is only why, why is only half your face made up? He said, well, you only paid me half. <laughs> He's quite a character, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. There was, there, was another, there, was, there was this other thing. Um, so when he would go for song recordings, um, there were two incidents which... Um, I'd like to recount one of them where um, he hadn't been paid his advance and uh, all for a song, another song that he had recorded for the same movie. And so he went into the studio and he sat there and uh, when it was his time to rehearse, he just said, my voice is not working, something like that, you know. (laughs) And uh, there's a producer who was under time pressure to get that song recorded. Um, And was aghast and you know in those days you had to record live with 60 70 musicians so it's not very difficult to get studio time etc so and he and he basically told the producer that if you paid if he, if he was paid then then his voice might recover <laughs> he was so the bad. producer got the hint paid him the money and suddenly and, he was better yeah and suddenly he was better <laughs> uh, it was why there was the other thing where he um um, had a very trusted driver, Abdul. And Abdul was under instruction that he was supposed to make sure that the payments were collected uh, at the time of the recording. And uh, the code between him and Abdul was, you know, have you had your tea yet? <laughs> All right. And if Abdul would have had got, uh, gotten the money, Abdul would say, yes, sir, I've had my tea. 
And that's a go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was once he went for a recording and the producer was not around that day, but he had instructed his assistant to make sure the song was recorded. This gentleman turns up and uh, was sitting there after the rehearsal, turned around to Abdul and, have you had your tea yet? And Abdul said, no, sir. So the assistant arranged for a cup of tea. <laughs> and this went on about five or six times and the producer scratched his head saying, what, what, uh, the assistant scratches and saying, what on earth is going on here? I've already, he's already had five cups of tea. Mm-hmm. So he, so he called, so um, uh, the recording is postponed. The producer calls up his assistant and says, did you record the song? And he says, no, but he kept sipping tea. And he said, oh, oh dear me, I forgot to tell you that that is his code. You should pay him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he obviously used humour in a good way because he he was passing messages on which were much more serious through his humour. So that's pretty pretty creative, isn't it? <laughs> oh yes, uh, that too. But he, I mean, he could go get up to really crazy yeah. things like make his co-singers laugh so much that they couldn't sing, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, uh, get up to uh, uh, crazy antics inside the studio. But uh, all his co-singers said that he was great fun to work with. He sounds amazing. He does. He really does, like a real bag of activity. And all of that, all of that, hid a very sensitive person. Mm-hmm. Underneath all of that, he was a very sensitive person, very emotional, uh, very kind-hearted. In fact, although he had a reputation for being very strict about money, he was very kind-hearted. Mm. It sounds like. And now his legacy. What does I mean? We have his amazing music, and obviously he's still as popular as ever. Um, what did he leave behind apart from, you know, this, that? This, a lot that. of wannabe sing, a lot of wannabe Kishore Kumar aspirants is what <laughs> he leaves behind. Okay. And none of them have been able to do justice to his music, not surprisingly, except that it's his son who has, who I think has become a torchbearer. And he's the one who, in my opinion, uh, is capable of doing full justice to his father's songs. Mm. Mm. And um, how about, you know, the music that you're going to play? We've got a track. We've got about a minute or so anyway before we play that. But um, tell me a little bit about the track that you've chosen to end with. So this is a song which, from a film which was directed and produced by Kishore Kumar in which he acted as the lead with his uh, uh, second wife, Madhubala. And... Um, the song is composed by him as well. Actually, it is a remake of an older song which is based on an Indian classical raga, which his elder brother Ashok had sung. And Ashok was very, uh, very famously told Kishora, you're not going to be able to do this. It's beyond you. This is classical. Mm-hmm. And Kishore said, well, you know, uh, at a later date, he said, well, I'll prove it to you that I can do it. Mm-hmm. It was Kishore's version which became very popular. Of course, he uh, changed a lot of the things in the song. It's a beautiful song um, and uh, it's done extremely well. And you can see that in the arrangements, there's definitely a Western classical influence. And the singing has got an Indian classical influence. Wow. And it's called? Koi Hamdam Naraha from the film Jhumru, 1961. Right. Jang, thank you very much for JJ's Music Box. It's been lovely hearing about Kishore Kumar. And we'll go straight to that track and that'll take us to the news at two. Thank you.